So, Dr. Wade, whenever you're ready, I'll start the timer. All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. Whether you've lived here your whole life or moved from somewhere else, there's a lot to love about Arizona. The warm winters, cost of living, the beautiful nature and economy are just a few of the benefits of living here. But there are being but there nah. but being in the Southwest also comes with its unique dangers. So today we're talking with an emergency medicine physician about the risks of living in Arizona and what you can do to stay safe. We're joined today by Dr. Dan Kwan, a district medical group physician and medical toxicologist at Valleywise Health. Dr. Kwan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. White. So what's different about working in an emergency department in Phoenix, Arizona versus other parts of the country? Well, I, I think uh, working in Phoenix and, and also living in Phoenix is great. You know, you, you can enjoy the great outdoors. You can enjoy being bitten by snakes, you know, all kinds of things that you can, uh, you can encounter. But I think that's one of the things, that the challenges of working in the emergency department uh, here in Phoenix is uh, the environmental aspect of it. So whether it's uh, bites, stings, heat, uh, they're, they're, and even cold. And, and in some situations, you know, we can certainly uh, have a wide variety of, of uh, patients to see. So, you know, again, you, as you mentioned, you know, one of the great things about being in Arizona is we get to spend a lot of time outside and we get exposed, you know, to all of these potential, you know, critters, you know, that, you know, just may want to do us some damage or may, may do us some damage. So Excellent. one of the things we hear a lot about are scorpions. And, you know, we know that scorpions are truly present here within Arizona. You know, which of the scorpions that we see in Arizona are truly dangerous? Well, in Arizona, we have, uh, we have a lot of different species and varieties of scorpions, one of which is called the bark scorpion. Uh, and that is the one that is the, the most dangerous to, to kids and really the elderly are, are really the uh, target populations. Uh, kids especially because they're, they're so small and, you know, the scorpion venom can, uh, can affect them profoundly, cause a lot of uh, respiratory distress can cause uh, uh, breathing problems, uh, limb jerking. It's, it's uh, actually very profound. If you've never seen anyone uh, stung by a scorpion, it can be a, a, actually a traumatic experience, especially for parents. So what happens after a sting? So, you know, you talk a little bit about those body movements. Um, what else can happen after an individual gets bit by, you know, one of these uh, scorpions? So when, when uh, a patient is stung by a scorpion, they can get a lot of localized pain initially, and then the numbness and tingling starts. But in, in little kids and even uh, those at risk, uh, and it, it just depends on how much venom one gets usually, uh, you know, you get uh, a lot of secretions. Uh, so in other words, they, a lot of saliva comes out, and, and you know, it's like they're, they're drowning almost in, in their, their spit. And, uh, that develops into troubles breathing, and you know, then it kind of goes from there. Especially the limb jerking because they can't control their limb movements; they can't walk. A lot of times, patients will have their eyes closed because they don't want to. Their their eyes are all over the place, and uh, it's just very uncomfortable. So, what happens, and what should I do if I get stung? You know, you read a little bit about you know, it's the smaller ones that maybe cause more problems than the larger scorpions around that type of thing. So, what happens? You know, if I get stung. So, 
a lot of, I would say most patients, let's say if as an adult, if, if uh, one is stung, a lot of pain, maybe some numbness and tingling, a uh, lot just kind of some weird taste things can happen but as little kids uh, if little kids get stung especially the kids from newborn to six years of age they can really have a lot of problems um, those are the patients that you know you really have to watch close and uh, if you if you have little kids at home and you <coughs> and you are taking care of little kids really watch their breathing and um, you know, if you, you think that they need to be seen in, in the hospital, bring them to the hospital. Uh, another resource is, is poison control. And uh, you can call poison control and they can kind of guide you through some of the steps. What would be some of those initial steps? So say I'm an adult and I'm working out in the garden and for some reason I, I come across one of these things I wasn't paying attention where I put my hands and, and I got stung on my hand. You know, what are some of the immediate things that I should do to kind of help, you know, mitigate, you know, some of the, the trouble here? You know, uh, it's really just kind of taking some, taking, some, taking a time out and, and saying, well, how bad is it going to be? Uh, there's not really anything you can do to wash the skin or, or you know, take uh, ibuprofen or don't take Benadryl, don't drink alcohol, don't do all of those things that, you know, you might think that is a, it's a good idea at the time. Just kind of step back and say, you know, it, it certainly could get worse, but, you know, it's just kind of uh, watching and waiting at, at the initial part of it. If you're just tuning in, we're talking all about the biggest risks of Arizona and how to handle them. So, you know, you talked a little bit about children in watching their respiratory status. What are some other signs that maybe anybody should seek medical care or come to the emergency department for evaluation? You know, anytime uh, a patient or yourself has troubles breathing, um, sometimes if you can't see, that would, that would be... A, some of the things to, to come to the emergency department for. A lot of times with scorpions specifically though, supportive care meaning just staying at home and just relaxing, taking some ibuprofen or some uh, acetaminophen is generally enough to, to get through this. So you talked a little bit about those kind of, you know, anti-inflammatory type treatments and those two types of medications. What are some of the other treatment options that you may need to utilize if somebody has to come to the emergency department? Let's say if uh, someone does really have a severe reaction, then antivenom, we, we offer antivenom that we can give to, to patients of all ages, um, but the, it has to be very severe. So we grade scorpion stings on a zero to four scale. And the antivenom is aimed for those who are suffering at three to four, uh, the high end of the scale. And that is really when, when patients have troubles breathing, uh, trouble swallowing, um, limb jerking, can't walk. Those are the indications for antivenom. So the, are there any long-term effects of people that get, you know, these types of scorpion stings? There are not any real long-term effects. Some people uh, feel as if they're going to die if, uh, whenever they get stung, but uh, certainly the long-term effects that I've heard and, and you know, patients have reported are numbness and tingling up to a month after stings, but the pain usually goes away within the first 24 to 36 hours. 
So we focused a lot about scorpions, but certainly there are other critters out there. And the next common one that we hear a lot about when people find, you know, unusual lumps and bumps on their skin or thing, or, you know, just welts or some redness is, you know, spiders. You know, do we have dangerous spiders here within, um, uh, within Arizona? We do. We have uh, black widow spiders. Uh, that's probably the uh, the most dangerous venomous spider we have in, in Arizona. There are uh, brown spiders, and brown spiders can range anywhere from just the, the general household brown spiders all the way to recluse spiders. Now in Arizona, we don't have brown recluse spiders. I want to emphasize that. No brown recluse spiders in Arizona, but we do have cousins of the brown recluse spider, and that's the Arizona recluse. They can cause like, some skin damage but it's not to the uh, extent that you would see as with a brown recluse spider. So cousins, not so bad as the, uh, as the uh, parent. And what's some of those skin damage? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, those recluse spider bites, you know, causing that kind of that local skin damage. What sorts of things, you know, do we worry about? Even though we don't see that here, you know, predominantly, what are some of the things that we worry about as physicians when somebody comes in with a potential bite? So um, recluse spiders in general can cause necrotic wounds. And what that is, is it uh, causes a wound that, um, that uh, essentially the, the cells die and, and uh, uh, then it causes other problems like uh, you might have to have skin grafting and those sorts of things. But uh, uh, here again in Arizona, we may have a spider that can cause a little necrotic wound, but nothing like the ones uh, in the Midwest. So you talked about black widows and you talked about black widow spider being the most common venomous spider that we may see here within Arizona. You know, you read a lot about them. Are, are black widows truly deadly or are they more, you know, kind of on the spectrum of, yes, they cause discomfort, they can cause some, you know, acute illness, but they truly aren't gonna cause somebody to die. You know, there's, um, it, it also depends on the amount of venom that a person receives from a, from a black widow spider. Most of the time with black widow spiders, it's a local pain, a uh, lot of pain, maybe some blood pressure elevation, and, uh, and those patients do quite well. Uh, sometimes, you know, you, we do have to bring them into the hospital just because there's so much pain, their blood pressure is so high that it can cause, especially in the, elder, in the elderly patients, uh, they might have heart problems because of it. So uh, we might bring patients in for, for uh, high blood pressure and, and just pain control. But in general, most of the time, patients will do quite well with just some over-the-counter remedies. Are there other specific treatments that you may have to give? We talked about anti-venom for the scorpions. Do we have similar types of things for um, black widow spider bites? There are. Uh, there is a, an old... I will call it an old antivenom uh, because they don't really make it any longer. Uh, we are actually we were actually in, involved in a clinical trial of a of a new black widow antivenom, and that has yet to be FDA approved. But hopefully, sometime we will uh, be able to uh, bring that on board. So, just antivenom uh, is is really only specific for really really severe bites. Very much understood. You know. The last you know, type of critter that I can think of that we might encounter as we're out in Arizona, especially this time of the year, you know, as we're here into the spring and early parts of the summer, are snakes you know, around it. So 
what types of dangerous snakes might we see as we're out doing some of our outdoor activities here within the state? So the, the snake that uh, we have most commonly in Arizona is the rattlesnake. Um, we don't have water moccasins necessarily in all parts of Arizona, but uh, Normie. What was I saying? <laughs> yeah. So we don't have water moccasins or other types of snakes. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Arizona, we do have the rattlesnake. And, and rattlesnakes are, are geez, they're, they're everywhere, uh, except for the city. You know, we don't really see too many rattlesnakes in, in the city, although there are some pockets uh, that we do see them. Emergency physician Dr. Dan Kwan is answering your top questions about Arizona dangers. Valleywise Health offers exceptional health care at over a dozen locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. So how do I tell the difference if I encounter a snake of those that may be venomous and harmful to me versus those that may be non-venomous? Sometimes it's really difficult because um, the non-venomous snakes sort of appear to be, uh, you know, they, it's just like anything in nature. They, they try to make themselves look dangerous, just like the rattlesnake. So the gopher snake or the bull snake may have the same type of marking as a rattlesnake, but there are some telltale signs that you can, can sort of look at the snake from afar. You know, you don't have to get super close. But uh, a triangular head is one thing to look for. A, a rattlesnake will have a triangular shaped head and then, of course, a rattle. Um, and uh, usually there are rings around the tail. So those are some of the quick things you can take a look at a snake and say, that's something I don't really want to mess with, but maybe you don't want to mess with the snake anyway. Truly understood. How many different, so we talk about rattlesnakes kind of in a broad sense. Are there different types of rattlesnakes that we see within Arizona? You know, in, Ari in, uh, in the United States, we have 39 different types of rattlesnakes uh, uh, across, this, uh, across the 50 states. Well, actually 48 states because Hawaii doesn't, they don't really have rattlesnakes and Maine doesn't really either. But uh, um, we have 13 of those species here in Arizona. So, no, a good third. Wow. So, you know, what would happen? So I come upon a snake or I stumble upon a snake and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't aware, I, I was a, not aware fast enough and I was bitten by a rattlesnake. What are some of those immediate things that I would need to do, you know, to, to begin treatment? So when that, if you, are, if you ever encounter a rattlesnake or bitten by a rattlesnake, the, uh, everyone has one of these. Well, not everyone, but most people have one of these, and I actually have one in my lap. It's called a cell phone. And the mobile phone is your friend because you can call for help, and that's the best thing you could do is to seek assistance and go to the emergency department because rattlesnakes, they don't necessarily... Um, I've had plenty of patients that were bitten by rattlesnakes, and then later on they develop symptoms like swelling, pain, that require additional treatment. You know, one of the things you often read around these types of things is people to, you know, after they call for help, want to do something 
to stop the spread, you know, of the venom that may come from the bite by applying a tourniquet or doing some other types of things to try to constrict or begin to, to, to try to do something to suck out, you know, the venom from, from the puncture wounds. Are those things that we should be doing? No. <laughs> so do not apply ice. Do not put tourniquets on. Do not tie rags around it. Do not cut and suck the wound. You know, those old westerns are out. Don't, don't do any of those sorts of things. Just go to the hospital and uh, we, will, we will evaluate it. So you talked a little bit about some of those local type reactions that somebody might have after the bite. They get some pain or they get some swelling. What are some of the other effects that rattlesnake venom after a bite might have on the body? So the uh, physical findings that you, you would see are the pain, swelling, um, and, and maybe a little bit of bleeding from the wound, but it really does cause a lot of problems with the blood, uh, and it can, it can affect the platelets, which um, can, can uh, cause bleeding if, if you get cut uh, it, because you have low platelets. It can also thin the blood out, and so that, that makes the blood even harder to clot, and clotting issues are, are one of the things that you might see with rattlesnake bites. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned early on, the first thing to do is call for help. Do you recommend that anybody that's been bitten by one of these types of snakes be seen in the emergency department immediately? Or is this something that I can, yeah, you know, little tiny snake, wasn't that bad, I can watch this at home for a bit, or should I really come in and just be seen? Really should come to the emergency department and be seen in any emergency department because um, Evaluating the wound as well as getting some initial blood work is very helpful. There is a, an observation period that we, we uh, do with all rattlesnake bites, and uh, that kind of determines whether or not you need treatment. So, you know, part of that evaluation so determines that I need treatment. What are some of the treatment options that you have available um, in the emergency department, you know, for these patients? So if you are envenomated with a rattlesnake, then uh, antivenom is the treatment of choice. We have two different types of antivenom available on the market. Um, one is made from sheep and the other is made from horses. But both actually uh, do quite well with the rattlesnakes we have here in Arizona. So, you know, how long does that take? So say I have a bite and, you know, it's been determined that I need to have one of these two types of antivenoms. How long does that treatment course last and do I have to stay in the hospital as I'm getting that? Yes, it's not a, uh, you can't get antivenom and go home. Uh, usually a hospital stay is required. So anywhere from one to two days, depending on the severity of the bite uh, is, is uh, what I would expect from treatment. How long is there in, you know, once we've, we've done through the treatment and we've had the medications, you know, how long is then the recovery afterwards, after I've been home and, you know, I've got the antivenom, how long till I'm feeling back to normal, you know, to go back out and resume my activities? I think that's one of the, the uh, falsehoods I want to address with this because, you know, a lot of times we, we think, oh, we get bit by a snake. We go to the hospital, we get antivenin, we go home. It's not really that. Uh, it's not really that quick because snake venom actually causes tissue damage, and as tissue, uh, just like a, a cut on the arm or uh, a burn to the arm, it takes time to heal. So those uh, that that amount of time can take anywhere from a week to a month to two months. I've had patients that have uh, 
didn't have full recoveries for for months, three months, six months. Is there anything that they that we can do after that advent of time to help you know shorten that recovery period, or is it really truly just dependent on the amount of envenomation or amount of, of venom that was introduced during the bite? It really does depend on the amount of venom, and uh, it, it certainly. Uh, just depends on on the patient as well as how much venom and where you're bitten. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7:30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. So we talked about the recovery time, you know, being variable. Are there any other long-term consequences that individuals have to worry about if they've been bitten by a rattlesnake? Yes, um, if um, uh, depends on where you're bitten. Uh, patients that are bitten on fingers, sometimes if it's severe enough, they will lose you know they will lose digits or, or fingers because of the the profound amount of venom that is contained in the in the digit. Uh, on the legs, the same sort of thing. You know. You can lose muscle tissue, you can lose tendons, damaged tendons and nerves. All of those things can certainly happen with rattlesnake bites. And it's just going to depend on that length of time, you know, uh, around it, depending on, again, you know, those things around how much uh, impact that local reaction were to occur. Correct. So as we're out, you know, side and we've getting past the dangers of snakes, are there other items or other areas that we should be concerned about, other animals or critters that may cause us problems here within the state of Arizona? Sure. Bees are, are probably one of the, the, the things that we don't really think about. You know, they're buzzing around, making honey, um, pollinating plants. They're, they're grand animals, except when you get swarmed. And so those, uh, the swarming can occur at, at any point. You know, you could be hiking on Camelback Mountain and, and be swarmed by bees. You can be, uh, um, you could be a construction worker tearing down a home or a business and uh, you, you disturb a hive and you can be swarmed by bees. The best thing if you do get swarmed <coughs> is to go and uh, seek shelter. Wonderful. You know, after seeking shelter, if we got stung a bunch of times, again, is there anything that we should immediately do? Or when you have that number of stings, is that one of those times where, again, you pick up that phone that you may have in your pocket um, and call for help? You know, it, it also depends on the type of reactions. There are a lot of people that uh, have hypersensitivities or allergic reactions to, to bee stings. And those, those patients, you know, they should have EpiPens and, and be ready to go to the hospital at any time they are stung by, by bees. Uh, others, it depends on if, if, they're not have, if they don't have an allergic reaction or anaphylaxis, they can have reactions just to the venom itself, the amount of venom and the number of times someone is stung it can certainly cause uh, problems just because of the amount of venom. Is there an anti-venom for this particular insect, or is this one where we just have to treat people with what we call supportive care, you know, some of those types of areas? Correct, yes. Those are, uh, there's no anti-venom for bees. Uh, we can use some steroid if, if there's a lot of uh, inflammation in the body, but there's really not a whole lot of uh, treatment options besides that support, supportive care. 
you know, as we're out hiking and we're out spending time in nature, we often will encounter other types of animals, you know, some of the mammals. So how often in, in your role as an emergency medicine physician do you see bites from other things? And I'm going to just say a mountain lion or a javelina or some of those types of things that we might encounter as we're out, you know, in the Sonoran Desert here. Yes, uh, you know, there are a lot of mammals running around the desert just like we are. And uh, uh, certainly if you come upon a bobcat or a javelina, there are situations where they are protect protecting themselves as well as their families. And you may be bitten by one of those. Uh, definitely seek treatment for, for those types of animal bites because uh, it depends on where you're bitten, not location in, on your body, but location in terms of what part of uh, the city, state, or country even. Uh, uh, that would kind of dictate if you need to have rabies, uh, prophylaxis, or other types of treatment like that. Yeah. Again, I think with all of these today, as we've learned that any of these encounters really makes us think is, you know, they, there are some severe consequences and complications that you can arise from all of these types of bites. And, you know, we really need to be able to seek that care, you know, in our local emergency departments to help us guide some of that. Yes, absolutely. So how many times as people encounter, you know, a snake in nature, is the bite truly due to surprise versus somebody became too curious and, and tried to pick, you know, tried to take a picture for their Instagram or their story? You know, I, I would say about, you know, some will say half or more of those patients uh, are, are ones that try to handle the snakes. In my practice, uh, I, I typically see about half and half. So some some people will tr attempt to save the snake or relocate the snake, and others will are you know just doing things ar around the home. They're, they're taking they're taking out the trash. They're getting into their vehicles, um, uh, and and they're bitten then. So maybe half, maybe less are intentional bites, um, but most of them are accidental. What are some you know? Uh, things that you would like to leave the audience with around being outside and experiencing all that Arizona has to offer. What are some tips and tricks to avoid coming in contact with some of these critters that we've been talking about today? It's really awareness. You have to be aware of your surroundings. Just like, you know, if you live in a big city, you're aware of your surroundings. When you're hiking out in nature, enjoy all that nature offers, but also uh, you know, watch for snakes, watch for animals, don't get wrapped up in, in the music you're listening to, just really pay attention to your surroundings. And you know, there are times where uh, you may encounter a, a creature and you know, you're both surprised and uh, there, there's nothing you can do about that, unfortunately. And I think the other thing that I, I've taken away from you today is really, again, if you have one of those unfortunate counters, it is really, you know, incumbent on you to, to seek, you know, emergency care, you know, and evaluate all the options that are available for treatment. Dr. Kwan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon.